Chapter Twenty One of Ticonderoga by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One. About two o'clock on the following day, long lines of Indian chiefs and warriors might be seen approaching the great Oneida village. Soon after, a great fire was lighted before the door of the principal lodge, and as on the preceding evening, the warriors were ranged in a circle round and the women and children in another beyond the great chief dressed in all the glittering finery of the indian peace costume with feathers and red and white head-dress and crimson mantle and embroidered shirt and overdress and medals innumerable hung around his neck took the seat of honour with a grave dignity such as few civilised monarchs have even after the greatest study been able to attain he wore no warlike weapons nothing but a single knife appeared in his girdle and in his hand he carried the richly ornamented calumet or pipe of peace close behind her father sat otezza with her heart greatly troubled but less perhaps with fear than with expectation the black eagle had been kind and tender with her when they had been alone together he had held her to his heart with a display of fondness such as an indian rarely shows openly to his child he had listened to the whole tale of her love for Walter Prevost, without a word of disapprobation or reproach, and sometimes even a playful smile had come upon his dark, stern face, as her words recalled the memory of feelings experienced in youth, like a well-remembered song heard again after a long lapse of years. Instead of reprehending her attempt to deliver water, he commended it highly. "'It was thy part, my child,' Thou shouldst have been a boy, Otezza. The warrior's spirit is in the maiden's bosom. But when she came to speak of her lover's fate, to plead, to sue, to entreat, the stern, grave coldness of the Indian chief returned, and though she could see that he was full of fixed resolves, she could in no way discover what they were. The explanation of them she knew was now to come, and it may be imagined with what eager and intense interest she listened for every word there was of course some little confusion as the multitude took their places but it was soon hushed and then a deep silence spread around the great pipe was lighted and sent from hand to hand till it had passed all around the circle and then and not till then black eagle rose and spoke have my words been heard he said have my warriors examined whether any of the dark and infernal order of honontko are amongst us he seated himself again as soon as he had made the inquiry and after a moment's pause two middle-aged warriors who had been with him on the preceding day rose and took a step forward while one of them said we have heard thy words and examined the brother of the snake apukwa the medicine man and the flying squirrel are honontko the stripe is upon them and upon none else it is well said the chief rising again bring forward that man who was taken at our castle door last night half a dozen young men sprang upon their feet and speedily brought from the door of a neighbouring lodge the half-breed runner proctor whom we have seen with brooks and lord h at albany he had a calumet in his hand the sign of a peaceful mission and he showed no fear for he knew that his life would be respected although he had learned by this time that the oneidas had been greatly excited by some acts referring to the very object of his mission 
standing in the midst of them as calm and collected as he had been in the fort at albany he hardly gave a glance round the circle but looked straight with a cold and inexpressive countenance at the chief before whom he was placed what hast thou to say demanded black eagle the man remained silent although there was an evident movement of his lips as if to speak fear not said black eagle mistaking the ineffectual effort to speak for a sign of apprehension although it really proceeded from a habitual unwillingness to hear the sound of his own voice thou shalt go in safety whatever be thy message art thou dumb man is thy tongue a stone i am not dumb i am not afraid said the man with a great effort great chiefs in albany send me to say give us the boy there he stopped for it had cost him much to utter so many words were they war chiefs demanded black eagle aloud the man nodded his head and black eagle asked did they threaten the oneidas did they say they would unbury the hatchet the runner shook his head and the chief asked what did they say then would befall us if we refused to comply shame replied proctor aloud and black eagle suddenly drew his mantle over his face a low murmur spread round like the hum of a hive of bees and when it had subsided the chief rose and with an air of grave sad dignity looked round upon his people ye have heard o children of the stone he said in a rich clear deep-toned voice what the chiefs of the pale-faces say of the oneida nation and there are warriors here who were with me yesterday when our brethren the mohawks reproached me with treachery and inhospitality toward our pale-faced brother prevost and the black eagle had nothing to answer ye know the history why should i sing again the song of yesterday a man of our nation was slain by one of the yengis and the brethren of the dead man seized upon the son of prevost who is also our son without searching for him who has spilt the blood this was contrary to the custom of the five nations but they say the man was not to be found he was already beyond our territory and we must take the first we can find to appease the spirit of our brother but prevost is a good man loved by all the five nations as a brother to the red man a friend who trusted us so hard do the mohawks and the onondagas think this deed that they have dealt subtly with the oneidas and striven to rescue our captive from our hands by the crooked ways of the serpent the pale-faced chiefs too have sent men into our land and think darkly of the oneidas but the black eagle saw what they did and spread his wings and drove them forth he had no answer for the reproaches of the mohawks or for the yengis he will give them both their answer this day by the messenger and the children of the stone will thereby know his mind let them say if it be good then turning to proctor he stretched out his hand toward the south saying when thou goest hence two of my warriors shall go with thee to the castle of the mohawk and thou shalt say why hast thou dealt subtly with the oneidas if thou hast aught against him why didst thou not send a messenger of peace to tell thy brother thy mind or why didst thou not appeal to the great council of the five nations to judge between thee and him if thou wilt unbury the hatchet and cut down the tree of peace and bring trouble into the five nations that the pale face may prevail and our long house be pulled down to the ground then paint thy face and dance the war-dance and come upon the battle-way 
but follow not the trail of the serpent to steal unperceived into thy brother's land a murmur of approbation followed this bold speech but the next moment the chief continued still addressing proctor and saying when thou hast thus spoken to the mohawk thou shalt go on to the pale-faced chiefs at albany and to them thou shalt say the children of the stone have heard your message they are the children of the great king he is their father and they love him but the oneidas have their own laws and are led by their own chiefs they take the war-path against your enemies as against their own and ye are glad in the day of battle when they fight the frenchmen by your side it is sweet to them that you have used no threats and they would not have their white brother think darkly of them they love too the chief prevost they love his son as a brother but one of their own children has been slain by one of yours and their law must be fulfilled his spirit must not be shut out from the happy hunting grounds they will mourn as a whole nation for walter prevost but walter prevost must die unless the wanderer is taken thus says the black eagle the great chief of the oneida nation he who has taken a hundred scalps of his enemies and fought in fifteen battles with your foes and his give us up the murderer if ye would save the boy he is in your land you can find him do justly by us in this matter and walk not in the trail of the fox to deceive us and to save from us our captive then pausing for an instant he somewhat lowered his voice but spoke the succeeding words very slowly and distinctly in order that every syllable might not only be impressed upon the mind of the man he addressed but be clearly heard and comprehended by all the people around thou shalt say moreover to our brethren the pale-faced chiefs at albany that the black eagle finds that walter prevost has fallen into the hands of bad men who cannot be trusted dealers in dark things vultures whose heads are bare but whose hearts are covered the black eagle will take the boy from their hands and will treat him well and keep him in safety till the hour come as ye have said that the oneidas are hasty that they do rashly that they have not sought as they ought to seek for six moons will black eagle keep the lad in peace as his own son to see if ye will give him up the murderer of an oneida but as the chief would slay his own son if the laws of his own people required it at his hands so will he and the chiefs of his nation slay walter prevost if in six moons ye do not give him up the murderer he shall die the death of a warrior with his hands unbound and as black eagle knows the spirit that is in him he is sure that he will die as a warrior should this thou shalt say to the english chiefs let them look to it the fate of the boy depends upon their counsel give him a roll of wampum for his reward and let him go in peace his commands were immediately obeyed and the half-breed runner removed from the circle then turning to the warriors without reseating himself the chief demanded have i said well the usual words of approbation followed repeated by almost every voice present and then black eagle resumed in a stern tone saying and now my children what shall be done to the honantko i have already removed the captive from their hands for they are a people without faith they live in darkness and they wrap themselves in a shadow they take their parts in deceit and we see blood and dissension follow them already they have raised against us the wrath of our brethren of the five nations 
They have brought the yellow cloud of shame upon the Oneida name. They have well nigh severed the threads which hold the roll of our league together. They have laid the hatchet to the root of the tree which we and our English father planted. I say, let them go forth from amongst us. The totem of the tortoise cast them forth. We will not leave our lodges near their lodges. They shall not dwell within our palisade. Let them betake themselves to the darkness of the forest and to the secret holes of the rock, for darkness and secrecy are the dwelling-places of their heart. Or let them go, if they will, to the deceitful Hurons, to the people beyond Horicon, and fight beside the deceitful Frenchmen. With us they shall not dwell. Let them be seen no more amongst us. Is my judgment good? A general cry of approbation followed. The council broke up. The warriors commenced wandering about, those who came from a distance seeking hospitality in the neighbouring lodges, for the great lodge itself could not afford room for all. To her own little chamber, Otatsa retired at once, and, barring the door, went down upon her knees to offer up thanksgiving and prayer. Thanksgiving, for hope, is ever a blessing. Prayer, for there was danger still before her eyes. Safe for the next six months, she knew Walter would be in the careful custody of her father, but she still prayed earnestly that her mother's God would find some way of deliverance for the sake of him who died to save mankind. End of chapter 21